the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In today's society, worship simply means singing, and we lose sight of the fact that worship is so much more than singing. But today, before we get too far to the other side of the pendulum, we do want to take a look at what singing is all about and how it glorifies God. In our conservative and reformed camps, it's easy to give the palm to much of the music that shows up in church these days. That said, there is something to be said for music. We're back in Judges chapter 5, verses 19 through 31. Deborah's song of praise demands that you and I praise him as well. And that's what we'll focus on today as we continue our journey through Judges. Chapter 5, verses 19 through 31. Here's Pastor Jessica Stan with today's broadcast of Way of Grace. Deborah has compelled us to properly acknowledge God after that he has delivered us from so great a tribulation by teaching us that there should be a song in our mouth when God redeems us from our trouble, that there should be flowing out of us a kind of gladness that would render a testimony to the world that God is our Savior. And so Deborah has a song of praise that we looked at last time, and it covered a number of critical areas. Now, the Hebrew songs, very much like in many different cultures around the world, are often legends and tales and stories of the way God worked in the culture or in the life of the people of God in some particular way. All nations have their songs. All nations have their anthems. I would recommend that families have their songs and families have their anthems, but you and I are just now learning. We're beginning to learn how to worship God. By the time we get it right, we're going to be in glory. That's how slow we are, but that's okay. You can clap about it. You can clap about it, but I'm just telling you, by the time we get to glory, we will get this thing right. It's not right because we should. Every time God delivers us, there should be songs of praises welling up in our hearts. And it should be an opportunity for someone to know the only reason you're in the condition that you're in right now, that blessed condition, is because God was faithful to you again. Uh, The people of God should be marked by praise. But I'm here to tell you, we are inhibited by so many things, are we not? Uh, From him who had called us to his own glory and praise. And so one day we'll figure it out. But what I told you last week was that Sister Deborah 
Deborah was stirred up. Remember that? She was stirred up from the inside and she could not but begin to sing about this great deliverance that God had wrought through her. And then Barak, remember her and Barak are the dynamic duo that God uh, speaks of in the song. Verse 12 of chapter five, awake, awake, Deborah, awake, utter a song, arise, Barak, and lead thy captivity captive, thou son of Benoim. We saw that last week as we worked through some of the language, and I trust you were edified and convicted and uh, correct it in the area of your walk because she laid out God's faithfulness, but she also exposed some of the lethargy and coldness and betrayal of the people of God during that time. You see, anytime you and I go through trials, we get exposed for who we really are. Anytime we go through trials, we get to find out what we are really not. When you and I are not going through trials, we think we're all that. Yeah, and then we paint pictures and we try to turn it into dollar bills and sell it. And then God has to burn it up by bringing us to the reality that we are not as strong or not as wise or not all that we pretend to be. That's why trials are good. Even the things that are going on in our world today, right now, the pressure that we're all experiencing ubiquitously, particularly around these pathogens that are going down. Uh, We had a great women's theology class yesterday. We touched on some really good stuff. Did we not um, go back and listen to it because it really does matter. God allows sickness. He allows difficulties. He, he allows these things. Now you can blame it on Fauci and you can blame it on Biden and you can blame, but ultimately everything comes from the counsel of God. And for the people of God, it is always for your good. Right now we have a good group of our people that are fighting against this pathogen, as you know. Do you know when they overcome this, they are going to be better afterwards than they are now? See, what don't kill you makes you better. And so we look forward to a joyful time coming up out of this diabolical scheme in the next couple of weeks and months as the people of God return to their strength. Well, that's what's going on here in the song of Deborah. And she get ready to uh, put a check on some brothers. Okay, that's going to be our first point. Going to put a check on some brothers because there's some brothers walking around Israel right now like they didn't have nothing to do with what went down. They walking around like they never was in trouble, like they weren't hiding, like they weren't prevaricating, like they weren't a component in the struggle that the people of God have collectively. They're they're boasting as if Everything is exactly like it was before the Midianites crushed them and put all those people on lockdown and shut them in their houses. Remember that? Taking their weapons away, making them afraid to walk the streets, making them afraid to live out in the suburbs. Everybody ran to the city because they wanted to hide behind the leadership at the gate. But the problem was is that the leadership at the gate was all jacked up too. Do y'all remember that? All right, so this is where our first point comes in. Deborah's song of praise demands that we also do what? Praise him. That's the title of our message. It demands that we also praise him. So what she's getting ready to do, I can see her. She's looking out over her, her porch 
and she's watching some of the leaders. These are the judges of Israel. And they're, strand, they're, they're, they're uh, strutting about the city. And, and they're strutting in the high authority of their dominion. And everybody's looking at them. These are the prestigious rulers of Israel. Look with me now over at verse 10 through 12. Listen to what Deborah says. Now, she starts over in verse 9. And we left off here a little bit with this last week. My heart is toward the governors of Israel. She wanted everybody to know that. My heart is towards the governors of Israel, but not all the governors. The ones who are willing to get down for God's glory. The ones who are willing to stand for God. My heart was with them that were ready to hazard their lives. That's what she was saying. Look at it now again over at verse 9. My heart is toward the governors of Israel that offered themselves willingly among the people. Bless ye the Lord. That's the way she phrases it. Then she actually brings in an imperative or a command, or really this will be a rebuke. I'll see if I can unpack it under point number one, the obligation of the redeemed. Verse 10, speak ye that ride on white asses, ye that sit in judgment and walk by the way. What does Deborah say to them? Speak. Now, literally in the Hebrew construction, that word speak is last. What she does, she says, hey, you, you guys that are riding on white asses. Now, ladies and gentlemen, the idea of riding white asses means that you are in a prestige position of authority. Now, of course, in Israel's culture at that time, because we are in between the patriarchy period and the monarchy, we are in a judiciary right now. Israel doesn't know anything about the stallions or the Egyptian horses or the uh, Arabian horses. All they know are donkeys and mules because they're humble right now. And so the leaders would be known by riding donkeys. However, some leaders would also be privileged with purchasing a peculiar kind of donkey. And this donkey is said to be a white donkey. Now, you guys know your Bible teaches you color codes in scripture. As we make our way to the book of Revelation, the white horse is a representation of power and authority predicated upon what? Righteousness. Jesus is the man of war, is he not? He rides a white horse horse of authority. No mules in the revelation. Sorry, we, we, didn't, we didn't pass that. We're into horses in the revelation because we are into the monarchy. In the monarchy, there is an elevation of that beast that they rode to represent their power and their dominion. Job talked about the horse for battle. Do you guys remember that? But here we are back at the, the mule because I want you to learn something about the donkey. The donkey is a representation of labor and humility. Labor and humility. Every poor country knows the absolute utilitarian benefit of the, of the donkey, don't you? Our Latino brothers will tell you real quick, we do everything we can with donkeys. Isn't that right? Strap them up, strap them down, strap them in, strap them out. You put everything on that poor donkey. That donkey just bearing the total burden, is he not? The donkey represents the labor of the Lord Jesus Christ who bore our sins in his body to Calvary. He loved us enough to bear it. 
But in this cultural context, here's what's going on that's offensive to Sister Deborah. And I agree with her. The judges are running around now like they are the hottest thing since sliced bread. And everybody looking at them on their white donkeys and they're just strutting about. But guess what they haven't done? They haven't joined Deborah or Barak in praising God for delivering them from their fear and from their hiding and from their equivocating. Remember just a few verses ago, the leaders aren't even there. Now they're walking about like they were always there from the beginning. And Deborah said, hey, you, you, you on those white donkeys, you who are now sitting in judgment, speak. That's what she says. She said, you need to open your mouth and tell somebody. You need to open your mouth and tell somebody. The only reason you're on those white donkeys is because God came through. The only reason that you are freely making your way through the city is because the Lord Jesus Christ came in and intervened and fixed our problem. You're not riding on that donkey because of any power in your own hand. You're not enjoying the dignity and authority that you hold because of who you are. You see, sometimes we can awfully offend God by not giving him the glory that's due his name. Right. So I want you to understand the construction there again. You see our word speak there. Powerful Hebrew word. It is at the end of the sentence. It's at the end of the sentence. She didn't say speak ye that ride on white horses that sit in judgment. She says you who are riding on white asses, sorry, you that are actually sitting in judgment and you that are freely now walking by the way. You get to go by. Remember, the highways were shut up just a few verses back, weren't they? Wasn't nobody on the highway, let alone these governors. They were all hiding. Now they're out there again enjoying their life. And Deborah says, uh-uh, uh-uh. You better open your mouth and tell somebody that God delivered you from your fear, that God brought you out of your timidity, that God delivered you out of your hiding, and that God was merciful to you leaders because what? To whom much is given, much is what? You guys should have been the last ones hiding. Here you are the first ones out there strutting on your white asses. No pun intended. Um, But listen to it. Ye that ride on white asses, you that sit in judgment and walk by the way. When she uses the word speak here, she's using a Hebrew word that goes deep into the idea of musing upon the grounds upon which your present condition is. She says, I want you fellas to think deeply about why it is you're running around free. I want you to muse deeply on God's word. Let that word actually begin to to reverberate in your heart and cause you to be stirred up to interact with that word. It goes from musing to what is called meditation in Hebrew language. You read it, you reflect upon it, you engage it. You let that word actually start causing you to Speak back that word. That's how it works in the Hebrew. You quote scripture, you quote it, you tell it, you talk about how the Lord entered in and how the Lord brought you through, how the Lord raised you up, how the Lord brought you out. You let that word actually create in you this kind of resonance that ultimately ends up in a song. 
Now, anybody that writes music know exactly what I'm talking about. Anybody that writes music knows exactly what I'm talking about. You don't just come up with a song, you muse on it. You labor, you dig it down deeply. I want to just share a few verses with you around this. When she says, you that are riding on white asses, you that sit in judgment and are now freely walking by the way. This term is used to muse, meditate, and to speak aloud in the context of song. It's Psalm 77, verse 6. I'm going to take you through a few verses because I want you and I to get the essence of Deborah's rebuke. And then we're going to look at one last personage in this song that's extremely important out of the uh, major proponents that have been used by God to win the battle for Israel. Listen to Psalm 77, verse 6. Now, now Mark, you're going to see the word here in a moment. Here it is. I called to remembrance my song in the night. This is the psalmist talking. David would talk about this all the time. Now, notice what he's saying. I am calling to remembrance my song at nighttime. He's reflecting. He's drawing it out. I'm remembering my song in the night. Now, what is David going to do with that song? Here's what he's going to do. I commune with my own heart. You see our word commune? That's our word. In other words, this is not a passing fancy from the subject matter, it's sitting on that subject matter and communing with it, deeply engaging that topic. Deborah, I get you. You're telling these fellas they need to think deep and hard why it is that they're free. They don't get to just kind of pass over the works of the Lord and not acknowledge exactly what he did for you. Now notice what he says. The psalmist says, I call to remember my song in the night. I commune with my own heart and my spirit made what? Diligence. So does anybody know the beautiful work of inward meditation that that you walk in when the Lord is granting you grace to go deep with him? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Does anybody know the joy of fellowship with the spirit of God where he's taking your mind and your heart and you are traversing the Beulah land of glory in spirit and you, you love being there. And it's as it were, you're on the mountain of transfiguration and glory is filling your soul. And you don't want to leave. You get a sense that God is so present in your life and you are in God's presence at that time that nothing better could exist in your life than that moment. Does that make some sense? Some of us know what that's like. Some of us look for that every day in our life. It don't always show up, but it shows up enough that once that door cracks open, I run in and I hang out with God and I let him bless my soul with whatever direction he wants to take me in the musing of his truth. See, that's called fellowship in the spirit. That's called fellowship in the spirit. It's a beautiful thing. Every child of God should know this. And the word of God becomes your pointer passage that takes you into those portals. Nothing like the word of God can do what Revelation 4, 1 says. And the door to heaven was opened and the spirit of God said, come up hither. And the soul gets dispatched into fellowship and communion with God. That's what our sister is talking about here. I commune with my own heart. My spirit is making diligent search Look over at verse 12. Verse 12 will give us the same connotation. 
Psalm 77, verse 2, I will, what's the word? Meditate. That's what Deborah is saying. Now listen, Deborah's not just saying open your mouth. She's saying think deeply about it. Meditate deeply on it. So when you open your mouth, you actually got something to say. And if somebody asks you about it, you go, I'm glad you asked. I've been thinking about this a long time. Let me explain to you what God is showing me. Is that good or what? Oh, I will meditate also of all thy work. And I will talk of thy doing. Child of God, please hear me. That's what you were made for. Child of God, please hear me. You think you made for this, made for that, made for other things. Nope. All you're made for is to be the temple of the living God, for him to dwell on your heart, for his Shekinah glory to manifest itself in you and to you and through you. You are the living tabernacle of the most high God. Men and women should be drawn to him through your fellowship with him. Am I making some sense? In fact, here's what you know. Here's what you know before we move on. The reason why your life is so raggedy is because you fail to understand that you are the dwelling place of the most high God, the habitation of God through the spirit, and you're not spending that time with him. Am I making some sense? The reason why your life's so raggedy is because you don't take the time that you need to with your God. Right now, okay, this is a little pastoral. This is parenthetical. If you want your day to stretch, give the first portion of it to God. Give the first portion to God. Don't give God the last few minutes of your day because you ain't going to never have enough day by doing that. The way your day slows down is when you allow him who is from eternity to eternity to enter in and slow that clock down. God knows how to slow your clock down, your inner clock and your outer clock. Some of us are in a constant war with time, are we not? And you have deceived yourself into thinking you don't have time for God. Now, what a lie. And Deborah said, you fellas are riding around on your white donkeys. And you showing off to everybody how comfortable you are in the freedom which your master just bought for you at the sacrifice of men who came out to lay down their lives in your behalf. And you won't even tell people about it. Very important. Am I making some sense? I'm going to give you a couple more verses with this so you can uh, see how it works. Psalm 105 verse 2. As well, Psalm 105, the psalmist actually does this a lot. He really does. He says, sing unto him, sing songs unto him. Here it is. Talk ye of all his what? All right, so you take those two couplets and here's what this means. When you talk, you talk in song. When you talk, you talk in song. You're not just talking. You're talking from a heart, making melody unto the Lord because of his goodness to you. Am I making some sense? Am I making some sense? So you can talk about God and you can be absolutely cold, indifferent, separated from God. And people will know the quality of your talk will tell on you. But if your talk is tethered to a heart that is indicting a good matter. The matters concerning the king of glory, the Lord Jesus himself and what he did for you. 
Your words are going to have a character and a tone to them. They're going to have a quality to them that's going to actually add more weight when people hear them from you. Am I making some sense? I'm going to leave that right there because that's what our girl is doing here. So under point number one, what we got is the obligation of the redeemed for three reasons. They are back into what I call an exalted status. They're restored. Very important. Very important. Restored. Y'all know what that means, child of God? When you're fallen and God restores you. Don't you think you need to be telling somebody about it? Well, you are listening to Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. Closing out our time together today, we invite you to reach out to us. Let us know how the program encourages you in your walk with Christ. Questions, comments, prayer requests are always welcome. You can either write to us, give us a call, or stop by our website and drop us an email. Now, the best place to go, of course, is the website. Not only will you be able to write to us via email, you'll be able to get more information about who we are, what we believe, worship times, how to get here. Grace-Bible.com is our website. Again, that's Grace-Bible.com. If you wish to give us a call, the number is 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. If you're writing to us, our address is 22768 Main Street. That's 22768 Main Street. Here in Hayward, the zip code, 94541. That's 22768 Main Street, Hayward, California, 94541. One final note as we close out our time today, this program is listener-supported. If you wish to partner with us, we would be more than grateful. This broadcast airs throughout the Bay Area, as well as online, impacting thousands for the sake of Christ. And that is our hope and our goal. If you'd like to partner with us along those lines, feel free to write or give us a call. No gift is too large, no gift too small, whether a one-time gift or a monthly support. You're more than welcome to reach out. We would love to partner with you as we minister the gospel of Jesus to the Bay Area and the World Wide Web. Thank you for spending time with us today. Until next time, may Christ be your way of grace. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.